Leslie Orr's private number, always 416-216-5900. This is one of those days where it's just, it's perfect. It's the, it's the environmentally green day. You don't have the furnace on, you don't have the air conditioning on. Just the windows open, and it's just an absolute beauty outside. Not that we would know that in the studio, John. No, we're still working on taking the show outside to Sugar Beach, but we haven't quite got the technology down yet. Uh, what's going on, my friend? How was the uh, the week that was? Well, it was great, and welcome, everyone. So let me tell you about a couple of situations uh, this week, as I always do. Uh, one actually involved uh, something that I did. The other one uh, has to do with a news item. Uh, first of all, this week seemed to be, for me, dealing with uh, truck drivers, truck driver week. And uh, oftentimes I get calls, and this week I got about four of them, uh, from uh, truck drivers that have been let go. Now, usually, uh, whenever someone says, I, I drive truck, I already know there's going to be an issue there if they lost their job. And there's two main reasons for that. Mm-hmm. The first reason is because, uh, in my experience, I don't try to be, I'm not trying to be derogatory, but it's certainly my experience is uh, truck driving companies often don't understand or appreciate their obligations in terms of severance, okay. in terms of notice, and they're very clear, uh, sorry, very quick to pull the trigger on a termination uh, without paying uh, their employees what they're owed. But the other reason, probably the more common reason, is that truck drivers often are classified or treated as independent contractors, as independent yeah. operators. And as you know, John, because we've talked about this many times, just because someone is referred to as an independent contractor or an independent operator does yep. not make them so. And that's very true as relates yep. to truck drivers. Uh, and many times you have someone that works exclusively for one company, uh, only for them, uh, have their expenses paid, and, and they've been doing it for years and years and years. Well, in the eyes of the law, those folks are going to be employees. Mm-hmm. And if the position ends, they're owed severance. So I had four cases this week, all of which were in the, involved people that supposedly on paper were independent contractors, but there's no way uh, that that was true. In fact, they were in fact employees and they were let go, not with poor severance, which is something we talk about that all the time. They were let go with no severance. So you're gone today. See you later. Uh, and that's a problem for these people because, you know, they work a lot of hours because they work a lot of hours after oftentimes they make uh, pretty good money. And now if that stream of income ends, well, what do they do? They have nothing. So very important to understand for truck drivers. And, and the, you know, luckily those folks made the calls. So we're going to resolve those matters. I'm working right now on getting them their severance. But it's a very, very common problem. You have a lot of uh, changes. A lot of times people move between companies. And sometimes when that happens without notice, uh, if the person really is an employee, they're owed severance. So if you're listening to us right now, you're in your truck, you're driving down the highway, uh, hopefully you, you continue doing what you're doing. But if you're let go, give us a call, and certainly you're going to be owed severance in most cases. Very and those, those truck companies, I mean, if this, is done, if this is done with any sort of malicious intent, they are uh, rude awakening coming around the corner. Oh, absolutely. If you got a 20-year employee. And, and you yeah. know, most of these truck driving companies have done this, this, what I've just referred to, for years and years, and no one's either. called them on it because a lot of times the driver would say, well, I guess that's all it is. So, you know, what, one of the things we do here, John, you know, we try to inform, we try to educate. So uh, really very important as it relates to truck drivers. Yeah. happens all the time. Now, the second situation has nothing to do with, with me personally. It, it, it arises from the terrible incidents that happened uh, a week or so ago with the, uh, the shooter in Moncton. Uh, there was a news story that came out of it uh, relates to uh, an individual who uh, posted something on online or on Facebook mm-hmm. supporting the, 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 the shooter, believe it or not. Charming. Uh, charming, and was let go from his job. And John Oakley actually spoke about this uh, issue a couple of weeks, uh, no, a couple of times this week, invited me actually to speak. I wasn't able to, to uh, call into his show. But I wanted to give my thoughts, because the question arose that you know John Oakley raised, 
Is something like that, uh, posting online on your blog, on your Facebook, su- uh, support for something as awful as the shooting in Moncton, is that cause for termination? Be Should that employer yeah. uh, have been able to terminate employment? And, you know, John Oakley took many, many calls, people with different opinions. But let me tell you from a legal standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, the answer. The answer is absolutely yes, that is cause. Is, eh? And let me okay. explain why. Uh, first of all, if someone's posting under their name uh, online, Someone can connect them to the workplace. It's not very hard to, to go online and find out where Bob Smith works. Mm-hmm. And what that does is if you know that Bob Smith is posting these awful comments, that's going to impact the employer. Because someone may say, you know what? I know that this awful Bob Smith guy works for this company. I'm not going to do business with this company. So it's going to hurt the company directly. On the other hand, if the person was posting completely anonymously, so no one can connect them to the workplace, that would not be a, a, a cause for termination. So because if it was Bob one two three, right? right and no one can know. connect Bob to uh, the company that they work for. Then that's different. But if you're John Scholes, you have your Facebook page mm-hmm. and you post an awful comment, people say, "Wait a second, I know or I can find out." that John works for Chorus, now I'm not going to do business with Chorus because they employ someone as, as awful as, as, as John. Mm-hmm, right. So that would hurt Chorus, and that would absolutely be something that they, they can terminate your employment for cause. Now, one of the things that people were talking about uh, on the John Oakley show is the idea of freedom of expression. Remember, freedom of expression only applies when the government prevents someone from expressing uh, their, their opinion. It doesn't apply in private life. So you don't have freedom of expression in the, in the workplace. The employer can tell you you're not allowed to talk about certain things. That's not a violation of your right. Uh, that only applies if the government tries to, to, scale, uh, or, or to scale back or prevent you from talking. So in this particular situation, I have no idea why someone would uh, would ever conceive of posting any supporting comments to the individual that uh, did the shootings in Moncton. It was cause to let him go, and I'm very glad that he was let go. And there would be no severance involved either. Absolutely not. Yeah. Because it's cause, no severance involved. But that's very important even in other contexts. Uh, you know, if you're posting something on your own blog, on your own Facebook page, your Twitter account, remember, if it's something that could make your employer look bad, there could be consequences. Don't do that. It's a big freedom of expression thing. Everybody throws calls back on that, but it's you know, the, you know, the, the yardstick is, you know, as, as I've heard on Oakley as well, walking into a church and yelling fire, creating a panic. Oh, it's my freedom of expression. Not so no, much. No, so that does not apply in private life. Freedom right. of expression does not apply in that situation. You do not have a right to, to go into a private place and say whatever you want. Uh, and certainly if you have a duty to your employer that extends even outside of working hours, which is to act in your employer's best interest. So if you're doing something that hurts the employer, you could be let go for cause. I'll start taking your calls. We'll get into the process of obtaining better severance. This is a very important show. Stick around for it. Just getting rolling here on the Employment Hour. Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. You can also email Lior, L-I-O-R, Lior at employmenthour.com and his personal number, 416-216-5900. As always, before we get into uh, today's Topics, we uh, bounce over to the phones because they are priority. Graham in Milton. Hi, Graham. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi. How um, are you? Um, Lior there? Yes. Yep. Hi, Lior. I've got a human rights case in my workplace. Okay. The HRTO uh, corrupted my case from the very start. Now, my company is unionized, but there's no union grievance at all. Uh, Unifor did not get involved in the case before I took it to the Human Rights Tribunal. Unifor has no business there. But when I started the case, Unifor jumped right in there. They asked for a deferral. They lied to HRTO by claiming there was a grievance process. Now, HRTO's procedure, 
the party requesting a deferral must give details and supporting documents by filing a Form 5. Right. But HR, yeah, HRTO let Unifor get away without following the rules. Unifor also came into the case by being the legal representative of the defendant or respondent. Thing is, both myself and the respondent belong to the same Unifor local. So it's a conflict of interest and a conflict of goals. What can I do? Well, first of all, uh, you are allowed to advance a human rights issue that's separate from any grievance, uh, if uh, even if you're unionized. So if there's no grievance dealing with this particular matter, you certainly are able to, uh, to do so. Now, uh, I would focus more on the, uh, the legalities rather than the procedure. So whether the, the fact that the HRTO may have allowed uh, the, uh, the the union to make submissions not filing the appropriate form, even though that's not right. Ultimately, there's not much you could do about that. I would focus on ma- making proper submissions so that the matter does not get deferred. You know, present evidence that there's no uh, grievance or that you're not, you don't intend on pursuing any grievance on, on this matter because you can't do both. And ultimately, allow the HRTO hopefully to decide that the matter shouldn't be deferred and should uh, should proceed. Uh, the best advice I can give you is deal with the merits of the uh, the application for deferral rather than with the process that brought that about. Yeah, because what I see is an unfair or ground me, and uh, I can actually see the end before the preliminary process is finished. Yeah, so ma- make your submissions on the merits as to why there shouldn't be a deferral. Uh, there's not much you could do. The HRTO is known for bending the rules a bit as it relates to mm-hmm. process. So make your submissions. There should not be a deferral. You should be allowed to continue with your human rights application. Appreciate the call, Graham. We've got uh, Denise in Toronto. Hi, Denise. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Go ahead. Uh, I've been with um, my company for 26 years. My job has been eliminated and I've been uh, offered a transfer into another department within the same company. Okay. But the job that they've offered, I know that I am not suited for it. And what I wanted to know is what are my options regarding um, if I don't accept this job? Is there an option for severance pay? Great question. Excellent question, Denise. And and the answer depends on how different the job is and and why you feel you can't do it. Now, the new job, in terms of compensation, is it different than the job you had previously? No, compensation is the same. So, So why is it that you feel that you can't do the job? What's the biggest issue that you have? The biggest issue is it's a complete change from what I have been doing for the last... I don't know, 26 years. Yeah. Um, and it's, I'm going from administration to basically being um, on the phone all day. Okay. Um, and it's, it's basically a customer service job. I see. So th- that does sound like a very different job than what you had uh, completely. Now, if it's the type of job that you would not otherwise look for. So let's say you were out of work and you're applying for, for, for jobs and a job like this you would never even consider applying to, then this could actually be a situation of constructive dismissal, which means as follows. You have two options. Uh, option one is to accept this new job and you continue working and that, that now becomes your job. Okay. Uh, option number two is to say, no, I'm not going to accept that. If that's the only option that I have, then I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to resign effectively and I'm going to make you, the company, 
pay me severance because you've terminated my position and the other position that you gave me is one that's so different, I don't have to accept. So your options are to, to accept, continue working, or leave and get severance. Now, before you uh, prepare your letter of resignation, I need to talk to you in, in more detail. I want to better understand the difference between the jobs because it's not every change that allows you to leave with severance. I want to be very, very sure and very clear as to whether what happened to you rises to that level of constructive dismissal. And then if, if we decide that it is, you are allowed to leave and you worked there for 26 years. Denise, how old are you? I'm 57. So someone in your situation would easily be looking at 18 months of severance. So it's a lot of compensation, a lot of severance you'd be owed. So I strongly, strongly recommend you give me a call. Let's talk off air. Uh, but ultimately, those are going to be your two options. Okay. Okay, Denise, that number for Lior is 416-216-5900. Again, 416-216-5900. want to talk about uh, the process of obtaining better severance. Now, first, when employees lose their job, severance is, well, maybe it is the first thing, but possibly not the first thing on their mind, yeah? And, and you know, usually it isn't. And there's several reasons why when someone loses their job, they're not necessarily thinking severance. First of all, there's the shock of being yeah, let panic. go. Uh, and, and oftentimes people are going to be very upset about being let go. Well, wait a second. Everything was fine. There was no reason letting me go. So I'm upset about being let go. I, I, I'm, I, I think that my rights at wor- the workplace were violated. Forget about the severance thing. Why am I out of a job? That's what I want to have dealt with. That's reason one. Another reason maybe exactly the opposite of what I said. Someone may lose their job and think, you know what, I'm going to be able to find another job really quickly. So whatever the severance is, it's not going to impact me. I'll be working again in a week or two. Now, if that's the case, terrific. But I have seen hundreds, literally hundreds of situations where someone was let go, thought they'd find a job quickly, did not, took forever, took a long time, and they accepted the inadequate severance because they thought that's not going to be an issue. But once you accept the severance, in most cases, it's too late. So... Uh, you know, whether you're in the first category or second category, ultimately, if you lost your job, it comes down to severance. An employer is allowed to let you go as long as they pay proper severance, even if you've done nothing wrong. Even if they, there was no prior warning or your performance was terrific, they can still let you go. And don't assume you'll find a job very quickly. There's literally thousands of people out there all thinking they can find a job very quickly, but they're not all going to find a job quickly. It's, it's been a rough few years for new jobs. So you have to make sure that you get proper severance because that severance is what's going to carry you until you find new employment. In the meantime, you're still going to have to pay your bills. You're still going to have to pay your mortgage. Your your bank is not going to say, well, since you're not working, don't worry about it it until you find (laughs) another job. You still have to pay your mortgage every month. So you have to make sure that that severance is paid and it's adequate. And 90% of people are not going to get proper severance. Take a quick break. I want to ask Lior a question. We're just getting into this, the process of obtaining better and proper severance right here in the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. You can also email Lior, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com, and his number is 416-216-5900 to get a hold of him anytime. We're talking about the, the process for obtaining better severance. Um, you know, we talk a lot about getting fair severance, but how is that actually accomplished? You tell people, you know, those are your, your minimum entitlements. You should have your proper entitlements. How do you get that? Well, the first thing you need to do is you need to be able to assess whether the severance offer that you're looking in front, uh, in front of you, the one that you've received from your employer, if it's fair. Because if it is fair, you don't need to do anything. You can right. sign off and then move on. If it's not fair, then you need to do something. So how do you find out if uh, the severance is fair or not? I'm, well, the, s- uh, I'm smelling the severance calculator. Right. Well, you know, the, the, we've made it easy. I mean, yep. the, the, mo- the, mo- the newest way, the most recent way, is to actually go to severancepaycalculator.com 
and calculate your severance right there. It takes 30 seconds, and then you'll be able to compare that result Mm -hmm. with what you've been offered. The other way, of course, the the usual way is to give us a call uh, and and, uh, speak with a lawyer and find out right there how much severance you should be getting. Now, uh, once you've discovered, once you've realized that your severance is not fair, if that's in fact the case, uh, there's a couple of options that you have in, in, in dealing with proper severance. And this is a negotiation, so you need to negotiate proper severance. The first way is you could try to do it on your own. Now, in some situations, that could be the right thing to do. If you have an excellent, very close relationship with your former boss or the owner of the company, you're very close, you hang out together, you go out for beers, mm-hmm. you may be able to use that relationship to your advantage and, and talk to them and try to and, and negotiate and agree on proper severance. Now, that's going to be the exception. Most people don't have that type of close relationship where they're not comfortable doing that. So the second, the usual way is to get a lawyer to negotiate on your behalf. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. Uh, and then certainly in my, my law firm, that's uh, a very large part of what we do. So once you've identified that the severance is not adequate, you need to have someone uh, to negotiate on your behalf. And the process is usually very simple. It's uh, some correspondence back and forth and can resolve very, very quickly. And you end up being done and signing off a week or two later on a severance offer that's proper, that meets your legal entitlements rather than what you've been provided uh, initially. And the difference often, often can be tens of thousands of dollars. How common is it, uh, like in your experience, for individuals to get legal advice after their job? Say out of 10, how many people would actually do that? You know, when uh, we started doing this show, it was just a year, almost a year and a half ago, I guess now, uh, I, I, I would have answered this question to say that, you know, 9 out of 10 people don't, don't get legal advice. And they don't get legal advice for two reasons. Number one, they don't know they should. Number two, people don't like lawyers and they, they would do everything they can to avoid uh, speaking with the lawyer. They'll, they'd rather go to the dentist. Uh, so... <laughs> So, but I think since we've done this show, believe it or not, I've seen a shift in that. We've been able to inform people about the importance of, of getting legal advice uh, and, why, and that, you know, as lawyers, we're not that bad. Uh, we, we're actually better than dentists, I say. So, uh, but that said, I still feel that the majority of people, more often than not, don't get legal advice because they don't know, they don't think they should, or, or they're concerned about doing that. So, even now, most people that are let go, most of them get inadequate severance, they don't get legal advice, and they end up accepting on severance offers that are not adequate, effectively leaving on the table thousands or yeah. tens of thousands of dollars to which they're entitled. And I talk to you every weekend. It's not like pulling teeth. You're nothing like a dentist. No, no, I'm much better. <laughs> Does an employee have to uh, go as far as suing their former employer to get better severance? No. The answer to that is no. In some cases, that that has to happen, but usually that is the exception rather than the rule. If your lawyer knows what he or she is doing, these things can resolve without a lawsuit, without legal action, uh, with some negotiating back and forth. Now, I would say that 90% of the time, we don't need a a claim, you don't need legal action or a lawsuit. Uh, In 10% of cases, you may need to. But even then, I want to make it very clear, wrongful dismissal cases, unlike other cases, personal injury cases, negligence cases, Unlike those cases, wrongful dismissal cases are straightforward. They don't take a long time to resolve, uh, and and they're fairly painless. Now, that's only with respect to 10% of cases. 90% of cases are going to resolve very quickly within a week or so, or a couple of weeks with negotiating. And and the thing is this. Ultimately, you're not going to know what your options are unless you get some legal advice. So don't be concerned to make that call. Just pick up the phone. You lost your job. You need to get legal advice. And your number, by the way, 416-216-5900. More of the Employment Hour coming up on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.
You can email Lior as well, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Give him a call on his uh, personal cell, 416-216-5900. We're talking about uh, getting your severance out of your employer if it's uh, not adequate, making it adequate. Now, does it depend? Two-part question. Uh, what is the likelihood of success of getting the proper severance? And B, does it, dep- uh, does it depend whether it's you're going after, or not going after, but if you're dealing with like a, an IBM or, or Bill's Bakery? I mean, does it make a difference in the size of the company? Yeah. First of all, the likelihood of success, it's extremely high. As, as legal matters go, when there's never any guarantees, this is as close to, to, to a sure thing as possible. If your severance is not adequate, you're going to be able to improve it full stop. It's just the way it is. Now, how much does depend on the process you choose and then who your lawyer is and then how they deal with it. But you're going to be able to improve your severance. It's not, no, no question about that. It's, it's pretty, pretty simple. Now, oftentimes the question does get asked, as you just asked, well, wait a second, is it going to be possible if I'm dealing with this huge major corporation? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's much easier actually dealing with these major corporations because they know their stuff. They know how much severance you should be getting. So uh, it's not going to be hard to get them to understand that they owe you more money. They have proper legal advice. Uh, when it gets more complicated sometimes is dealing with a very, very small outfit with a couple of employees because you have to educate them. They may mm-hmm. not know and they may think you're wrong. Well, you, you know, so-and-so has worked for me for two months. Why should I give them five months severance? I should only give them two weeks. And there's going to be a reluctance on their sure. part, on that employer's part, to get some legal advice. So it could be a bit more challenging in that situation. So I, I personally would rather deal with a huge major corporation than deal with a very small organization. I think it's going to be much easier for me to get the proper severance for my clients. Because they have HR departments and everything, right? HR, or they have in-house legal uh, advisors, so it's going to be much, much easier. I don't have to convince them they'll know, they'll, they'll have access to that legal information. Expensive process or no? No, not expensive. Uh, and it, Depending on the situation, and, and every case is different, so I don't want to tell you it costs this or, those are the, or, or that's what happens, but in most cases, there's going to be several options in terms of payment, including of a situation where you don't pay at all until the matter gets resolved. Either way, as legal matters go, this is probably one of the least expensive things that you'll, you'll do. Uh, so, the, and in most cases, what we'll firstly do is assess the value of it. So, if you you're owed five hundred dollars more in extra severance, it may not be worth it pursuing, right. at least not with a lawyer. Uh, but if you were worth fifty thousand dollars, or if it's fifty thousand dollars owed to you. The cost is going to be so marginal, and in the vast majority of cases, the employer is going to end up paying for that anyway. Oh, wow. On top of the severance. Nice little bonus. Yep. Uh, how long does it usually take to improve the severance package? On average, I would say if, if no claim, no legal action is required, two to three weeks uh, it it's takes. Quick. And if legal action, a lawsuit, if legal action is required, on average, three to four months. Okay? So that's the average lifespan. Most cases, though, 90%, as I said earlier, resolve without legal action, which means two to three weeks is all it takes to resolve it. Uh, and the, the other thing is you're not taking a risk by doing that. You're mm-hmm. not saying, well, wait a second. What happens to what I've already been offered? You're going to take it off the table. Is that, right? Am I going to lose that? Right. Am I, is that going to go away? It's not going away. It's not at all. What we're going to be dealing with is improving that, taking that from point A and make it B. So you're not going to lose what you've been offered up until now. Uh, and there's really very, very, very little risk. Your experience, what percentage of people actually receive inadequate severance? 90%. Yeah, Nine sure, out right? of 10 people. Uh, yeah. and, and I'm actually, believe it or not, I'm being conservative here. Uh, you know, I, I say one, once a month, uh, I speak to someone that was offered proper severance once a month. And I speak literally with hundreds of people every single month. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's very, very rare, unfortunately. And that there's many reasons for that, including the employer may not know how much severance they owe, the employee may not uh, may not realize that the employer may think they have cause, 
or the employer may simply hope that the employee doesn't know any better. Just so most it. people, I, I can I can set my watch to that. It's so clear, it's so obvious, it's so consistent. Uh, so if you lost your job, uh, I would be very surprised if you got proper severance. Hopefully you're one of the uh, 10% or so, but you're likely one of the 90. And it's not necessarily vicious on the part of the nope. employer. It's just you know, if they can pay less, they will. Why would they give you the full nut? Right? Well, that, that's true. And, and you know, oftentimes the calculation on the part of the employer is not necessarily how much do we have to pay, is how much can we pay and, and, and not have an issue here? Right, how much right, will right. the employee accept? So if we think that Bob will accept three months severance, even though we should be paying him six, we'll pay him three months. Or, or the employer itself may not know, may think that you know the employees only owe three months severance because they don't really know, they haven't uh, got their own legal advice. So don't assume that the employer actually knows how much severance they owe you. It's not always the case. Have you noticed the pattern with those with a small number of employees that have offered at least maybe uh, proper severance or close to it? Is there a pattern of type of business that does that or type of employer that just knows off the top? Because you said it's a very a few and far between. Yeah, it is. You know, in my experience, and I'll say it, car dealerships are notorious for paying inadequate severance. And really? In my experience, it's simply because they don't know any better necessarily. It's not because they're picking on the employees. But mm-hmm. if, if I have someone that's worked for car for a car dealership and they lost their job, I... I I don't even have to look at the paperwork. I know that they're going to be looking at 30 cents on the dollar on a good day. Wow, yeah. no kidding. Very, very common. Very common. And, and by the way, I'm not picking on any particular For auto sure. uh, dealer uh, across the board. Donald and Stony Creek, welcome to the show. Donald, how are you? Thank you. How, how are you guys today? Good. Go, for, go good, ahead. Good. Okay. Um, this week, a fellow a co-worker of mine, longstanding seven years in, in the company, uh, respectfully went in and submitted his, his, his uh, resignation on paper to the uh, owner and um, uh, when and his two weeks notice, and he was f- perfectly willing to work that two weeks and thought he was going to be working at two weeks, he went out and was loading his truck, as usual, on the, on the Monday morning, we're HVAC contractors, and the uh, son come out and uh, verbally told him that he was finished at that point, take his tools off the truck, you're done. And I just thought, you know, that's pretty rude. I keep, in my mind, he darn near fired him when he was actually still working even though I'd given his resignation. And I just thought, you know, is that proper? Uh, no, it's not, uh, Donald. It's not proper, meaning that the employer in that case would have to pay the employee the balance, the two weeks. So if the employee gave two weeks' notice and they were let go immediately, the employer has to pay them for the two weeks that they were, were otherwise going to work. Uh, if that's not what happened, they owe two weeks. And this is the type of cases, depending on the type of case that you may actually want to call or your, your friend may want to call the Ministry of Labor uh, about because the Ministry of Labor should be able to help them recover that two weeks pay. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure because, yeah, he effectively told them he was resigning. So wow. he wanted to work those two weeks. Yeah, no, he's owed two weeks pay, no question. Appreciate the call, Donald. It's a wonder if they were going to fire him anyway. Yeah, and, you know I mean? <laughs> and now they, they don't have to pay him, obviously, full severance because he nope. was going to leave in two weeks yep. anyways. I mean, otherwise, if they had just let him go without him resigning, they may have owed him several months severance, That's depending I mean. on how many, uh, how many years he's worked there. But in this case, definitely owe him two weeks. And that happens often, by the way. Someone resigns and they're, told, they're walked out of a job immediately. The employer still has to pay them the balance of the time for which they were going to work. Taking your phone calls and questions right up until 2 o'clock. This is the Employment Hour. Lots more of it coming up on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Going to get into the severance calculator, finish up the process of obtaining better severance units. But first, as always, go to the phones. Got uh, Tommy in Toronto. How are you, Tommy? All right, good. How about yourself? Good, fella. You got a question for Lear? Go ahead. 
Yeah, well, my question to him is, and I, I wish that, um, that maybe he could elaborate on uh, whether the government should have, uh, uh, because I'm an employer, some, um, some uh, things in place for the employer, whereas a person like himself who, uh, who gives their advice to people who say they were wrongfully dismissed, whether, whether there should be a, a thing in place for uh, employers like ourselves that when he represents these people and tells them he has a case and we have to go out and hire a lawyer to defend ourselves, whether um, there should be some compensatory value for the employer uh, for his um, giving advice to people that uh, um, might not be true or, or, uh, or leading them to believe that they're, they could get value. Um, does he think that um, that uh, people like myself should be able to get money off of people like him that uh, that possibly um, give advice that is contrary to the law? Uh, I, I don't know what you mean by advice that's contrary to law. If someone takes legal action against you and that legal action is invalid, then they have to pay for your costs, your expenses, your legal fees. And that's the way our legal system is based on. Uh, I, I spend probably half of my time or so acting and representing employers, so I, I, I'm very mindful of the rights of employers as well. Uh, but in employers, there's generally a, an inequality of bargaining power. Uh, you know, employees are, are always more in a situation where they're, they're the ones dependent on the employer rather than the other way around. But your, cor- your recourse always is if someone takes legal action against you that's not valid, it's not legitimate, you did nothing wrong, is you can get your, your costs paid, uh, and that's the way our legal system has always been. Costs paid from who? From the, from the guy that's working for uh, uh, minimum wage and doesn't have any money? I mean, all I'm saying is that uh, we have people like you out there. I've just listened to you talk for about 15 minutes, and, and you're... Uh, you're basically indicating, uh, you're advocating that um, that almost everybody. You 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 made a point there that 90% of all employers are dishonest by uh, basically. And and if you want to roll your tape back, you're indicating that um, you're almost certain that we're always shortchanging the employees. Why would you Why would you advocate something like that? And and you should be held accountable for for making those statements. Don't you think? Well, first of all, if uh, all I'm advocating is that people get legal advice. And my experience, I've been in this for a long time, is that as relates to severance, which is all I'm, I talked about today, is that 9 out of 10 people when they're let go are let go without severance. And, it's, and I've said it's not because the employer is bad. Oftentimes the employers themselves don't know. Where are you, where are you drawing your statistics from? Uh, uh, 12 years of representing thousands of employees. How's that? Okay, so, so, you, so you have a spreadsheet that says that 90% of all employers are dishonest? No, I have a spreadsheet that says how many of the people that contacted me had an adequate severance. And, and out of that statistic that, that you say that you have you proven by way of litigation or yep. strategically that you won yep. and, and, you, and you can factually state that on the air? Absolutely, 100% correct, yes. Because I, I, I'm just, as a, as a person, as an employer, I'm just saying that you're planting the seed in people's heads that that everybody's entitled to... Um, no, I'm planting uh, a seed, Tommy. Tommy, I'm planting right? a seed that people should get legal advice. And if the legal no, advice is that you, you're not owed anything, then that's the case. But I think that everyone should get legal advice. And if you don't believe that that's true, it may be because you yourself are, have something to hide if you don't want people to get legal advice. If everyone got legal advice, then there would be no issue here. The good 
employers are not going to be in problem, and the bad employers may, may be in, in, in trouble. So as lo- as lo- that's all I'm advocating. People should get legal advice. Yeah, you're not you're not calling out bad employers saying no. they're dishonest. Like you said, some of them are ignorant. They just don't know what they're supposed to be uh, giving people. Absolutely, for severance, and right? I don't know anything about Tommy and, and his business, and maybe he's one of the good ones, and maybe he overpays in severance. But I bet you this, and without knowing him or, or his business, wouldn't surprise me if he himself, maybe because he didn't know any better, was in situations where he had to let someone go and didn't pay proper severance. Again, not because he's a bad guy at all. But he may just not have had all the information. And a good employer will seek out uh, legal advice prior to letting people go, saying, have I got them covered? Because yeah, I don't want to need to go and, through uh, this, right? Employers uh, often would, and, and they certainly should. Uh, in my experience, sometimes that doesn't happen until they're challenged on the severance. They, the employer may think, well, I know how much severance I have to pay. When the employee challenges it, mm-hmm. not only that, only then would the employer go, get some legal advice. But I say to employers as well, if you want to have your bases covered, you should get a legal advice before you let someone go, before you take any measures against an employee, because you want to make sure that you're, you're on solid ground, that you're not doing something that may cause you to, uh, to be in trouble either with the employee, with the Ministry of Labor, or otherwise. And the severance pay calculator works for employers as well, right? In fact, it has right. an employer's mode on it. So, you know, Tommy, any employers listening to us today, use that, check it out. You're not going to go wrong by following it. I'll give you one final question before we break, and this is kind of appropriate. Does going through the process of improving severance damage the relationship of the employees with their employer? Well, no. In most cases, it doesn't. And, and here's why. When I send a letter on behalf of an employee, let's say an employee that has received improper severance, I make it very clear. You know, our goal here is to resolve things professionally, quickly, amicably, uh, and, and that's it. We just want to make sure that the employee gets what is fair. So in the vast majority of cases, no. In fact, th- there's no damage to their reputation. And I'm personally very mindful about not burning any bridges up for the employee because you never know what the future holds. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, I, I always consider it to be a success when I'm able to get proper service for the employee, yet maintain that relationship that the employee had with their former employer so that in the future, if the opportunity arises, they could work together again. Drop us a call up. We'll answer your questions right here in the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Bounce over the phone straight away. Got Connor and Ajax. Hi, Connor. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Connor from uh, Ajax. Yeah, man, what's up? Uh, yeah, I want to ask you a quick question. I'm a junior employee. Uh, while we work in there, when we get the problem, we get to go to the supervisor. Then uh, if the supervisor is not listening to us, then the uh, second option is going to the manager. Yeah. So if both of them are not listening to us, uh, the third option, we can go for the junior. Yes. Even if the junior is not listening to us, can we directly go to the labor court? Uh, unfortunately not. And, and us- when you're a unionized employee, very important question because we get this often, uh, only the union is allowed to act for you, to represent you, to be your voice. You're not allowed to go on your own or to hire a lawyer to represent you to deal with the problem. It has to be the union. Now, your next question uh, is going to be, well, wait a second. What if the union doesn't want to help me or they're not listening or they're not doing a good job? What do I do then? And that's a problem. That is really a problem. You're almost stuck. Your only recourse, if the union really is not doing what they're supposed to, is to file a complaint against the union with the labor board, not against your employer, but against the union. It's called the duty of fair representation complaint, the duty of fair representation, DFR for short, and, uh, and try to get the labor board to order the union to represent you. Honestly, Connor, these are, those type of complaints are difficult. Usually they're not successful. 
So really, if you're a unionized employee, you, you live and die with and by the union. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a little bit of job security here in the last uh, few minutes. What is job security? Everyone talks about I have job security. I'm not given any job security. Why is it important? You know, job security is, uh, you know, from my perspective, is a situation where you, you reduce the likelihood of losing your job without compensation. You reduce the likelihood of your job no longer being your job. So today you're the manager uh, of marketing. Tomorrow you're demoted. So, so you have a different job. And, uh, or, or the fact that you could be let go without compensation or with very little compensation. If you can be let go with very little compensation, you don't have job security because uh, you, you're working today, you've bought a house, you've bought a new car on the basis that you have an income. Tomorrow it ends, you don't get any severance or you get very little severance. Uh, and then what happens with all these things that you bought? How do you pay your bills, et cetera? So how do we increase job security is we reduce the likelihood of being let go with little severance we reduce the likelihood of having our job change or our compensation changed. And we do that by making sure that our job offer letters, our contracts of employment are proper. We do that by negotiating proper severance, uh, sorry, uh, proper contracts of employment when we start working that don't allow the employer to, to uh, let you go with very little severance. Oftentimes in a contract of employment, there'd be terms that allow the employer to let the employee go with little severance there be terms that allow the employer to change the job duties, to change compensation, to relocate an employee's. And if an employee accepts a contract that has those terms, the result is that the employee has very little job security or no job security. So those things need to be negotiated. And they need to be negotiated not after you start working, not before you're let go. It's too late then. They have to be negotiated at the beginning of the employment relationship. And the first step is to identify, identify in the contract of employment or the job offer letter those terms that are problematic. And that's where the key is. If you can identify that, you're going to be fine. So how does an employee make uh, that decision as to whose employment they're going to terminate, whether it's you know a company of five people or 5,000? And it's tied directly to the contract. Oftentimes, right. the employer is going to term if, if they're debating between several employees, they may terminate the one that's going to cost them the least amount amount of money, to, or sorry, the uh, yeah, the least amount of money to terminate, and they're not going to touch the one that's going to be more expensive. So if if there's two employees, one of them signed a contract that allows the employer to let them go with minimal severance. The other one did not sign a contract like that. Well, the one that signed that contract is probably going to be the one losing their job because it's going to be a lot less expensive for the mm-hmm. employer to terminate. So another more another important reason then to make sure you sign a proper contract of employment, not a limiting one, so that you're not going to be the first on the chopping block. So that's how uh, one way you would increase the likelihood of having job security. Yeah? Exactly. Negotiating proper severance. We'll get to uh, Sarah. She might have the last call for the day. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Uh, great. Listen, fabulous show. Um, the lady that gave out all the names privately that worked at the hospital, she lost her job immediately because she sold it to a private corporation. So how is it that some people have greater protection for doing Worse. For example, Sammy, a team's uh, killer, the police officer, is held back working on the job after putting nine bullets into a man. What kind of protection does he have that this woman didn't have? Well, first of all, if you're a unionized employee, some different uh, rules apply. And, and it may not be necessarily that there's different protections. It has a, Sometimes it may have to do with uh, uh, what the, the, the union, in this case, is willing to do for you. Now, if you're a long service employee, you, you're going to have more protection, I say, quote unquote, protection than a short service employee. 
uh, it's going to be a lot, a lot more difficult to let someone go if they're a long-service employee. Well, but one is selling names, and she loses her job immediately. Another one puts nine bullets into a man and then tasers a dead man, and they're still on the job. But keep in mind, just because someone lost their job does not make, does not make that a legal termination, okay? So uh, because something may have happened that's illegal does not, does not make it right. Uh-huh. But uh, ultimately... Uh, it, but how is this police officer staying on the job? Could you tell me after pumping nine bullets into well, a man? Well, that, that, that's a question that should be asked of the uh, of his employer, uh, of the police services board, because they, they're the ones that made that decision. Mm-hmm. So it's not a legal question. It's a question that, that they made internally to keep him there. Uh, and I, I can't answer why, and, and I may have my own views on that, but that's a decision that they've made. Appreciate the call, sir. We'll get to this. Uh, from an employer's perspective, what does an employer do if wants to have a, the flexibility to make changes in the workplace? Well, an employer really wants to make sure that they negotiate proper terms at the beginning of their employment relationship. Everything I just said two minutes ago about uh, negotiating proper contracts applies the same to employers, except in, in, in the opposite. Mm-hmm. An employer wants to make sure that there's terms there, number one, that gives them flexibility to make changes, uh, to, to change compensation if needed, to change the job duties, to relocate. Flexibility is extremely important for employers, and employers need to have that. An employer also, if, if they can, and I, I don't think most employers w- would want to, most employers should want to, and negotiate terms that allow them to let an employee go with a, a different amount of severance or a reduced amount of severance. The only time to do that is the beginning of the employment relationship. So for employers, you want to have an employee, you, you sh- and I tell my employer clients, you never have an employee start with you. You never have them step foot in the workplace unless they signed a contract of employment that you're comfortable with. Uh, and most employers don't do that. Most employers either uh, have contracts of employment that are not adequate, they don't meet their needs, they don't give them the flexibility, and that's just a missed opportunity for them. We'll wrap it for another week, my friend. If you haven't seen the echo to severancepaycalculator.com, figure out what you're owed in, in the event that uh, it happens to you. It goes for employers as well. Emails outside of show hours, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. You can call them anytime, 416 216 5900. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.